Hey, this is Mike Conway with Retail Intel. I am in Salt Lake City with our research team, Brian DeMond, who runs the department, and Colby Lavader. He is the GIS analyst. They've got me in the basement of the Beer High. We're going to talk about research trends and technology and craft brew and what's happening in the retail industry today. Yeah, Mike, welcome to, to Salt Lake City. We thought, uh, since we're talking about retail today, we'd bring it to one of the hot uh, local spots here and uh, let you try some of the local cuisine. Um, brought you here to try some of our local craft brew. Let Colby tell us what we're drinking here. All right, well, Brian and myself are drinking uh, what's called a Northeast IPA, and that means basically it's just an unfiltered Indian Pale Ale. Um, and Mike is drinking the 24K from Two Row, which is essentially just a Golden Ale Pilsner. I'm a lightweight. What do you um, think, Mike? It's, it's delicious. Thank you very much. And I mean, look, the, the reason is obviously craft brew is hot all across the country. Salt Lake City is a hotbed for the industry. We enjoy uh, trying out the different products. Colby, tell us a little bit about uh, what's happening on the, in the craft brew scene. Well, locally here in Salt Lake, uh, about five to six years ago, we had roughly five to six microbreweries. Uh, now in 2017, we're up to 30. Um, it's just a hot commodity here, especially in the downtown area where younger people are venturing out to the bars and trying different beers. Nobody's going to the bar anymore just to get your normal Budweiser or Coors Light. They're, they want to explore the taste that beer has to offer, whether it's a stout all the way down to a Hefeweizen. Um, nationally, there are 6,000 microbreweries and 98% of those microbreweries are considered small or independent. 83% um, of the adult population in America live within 10 miles of a microbrewery. Um, and you're even seeing it on the macro level where the larger breweries like Budweiser and Coors are buying up the smaller breweries like a Goose Island or a Ballast Point out of San Diego. So microbrewery beer in general is becoming a hot commodity all over the United States. And I think it's uh, evolved, making its way into retail as well. I mean, why do you think it has taken off? And uh, is it just personal preference? Is, does the millennial generation have anything to do with it? Or what, what's your take? I, I think it has a lot to do with the millennial generation, we don't want, I'm a millennial by the way, we don't want your run-of-the-mill beer. We want to explore, we want to try new things, we want to spend our money on experiences. Uh, so a big thing they do now is called beer tourism, where we'll, millennials or people in general just go to a city or town just to try the local beer. Um, whether it's just getting your regular IPA or if it's trying something unique like in Texas where they mix wine with beer. Um, it's just a great experience and uh, we want choice. We're not, we're people in general are, are sick of just your normal Budweiser beer where it tastes the same. You know, every bottle tastes the same, every uh, version of it tastes the same. Yeah, what other generation will post a picture on Instagram of a bottle of beer and then <laughs> get a thousand likes? So in addition, uh, that was a good lead in, but you know, the real reason we want to talk to the research guys here is just find out what's happening out there in the industry, in the market, what you're seeing, different trends. I'm really, really curious to, to hear about, uh, you know, hear your take on the different uh, technology trends in real, retail real estate, what you're seeing as far as augmented reality, artificial intelligence, uh, the internet of things. These are the buzzwords that I'm hearing and would love to just learn about each one of those topics. What exactly is augmented reality? 
augmented reality kind of, you know, really made mainstream a few years ago with the game Pokemon Go. So you had all these people walking around searching for these Pokemon, hunting these Pokemon. But essentially what augmented reality is, is the in integration of digital information with the user's environment in real time. So it's a little bit different than virtual reality, which creates a totally artificial environment. Augmented reality uses the existing environment and overlays this new digital information on top of it. So a great example of this um, and how this is being um, implemented into retail right now is the company Sephora. So you can get on Sephora, you can download their app, and uh, one way they're creating kind of an experience and getting you to purchase cosmetics online is they have what's called a virtual mirror. So you can take a picture of yourself and then you can apply makeup to see how it's going to look on you. That's good stuff. So, okay, tell us about AI or artificial intelligence. Essentially, AI is, is not something that's new. It's been around for quite some time. Uh, the term AI was actually coined back in 1956 by a computer scientist, John McCarthy. Um, and so he, he defined it as every aspect of learning or any other feature of intelligence can in principle be so precisely described that a machine can be made to simulate it. Um, so essentially it's so machines. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of, it sounds a little scary, uh, but at the end of the day, what, give me some it, real life applications. It's, yeah, essentially it's machines that can uh, simulate intelligence. Um, you know, recently it's gained prominence due in part to big data or the increase in speed, size, and variety of data being now collected by businesses. So you have all these retailers out there that are collecting these vast amounts of data and it's been useful in the past, but not really useful. But through artificial intelligence, we're now able to glean and, and come up with some useful um, answers to some of the questions that retailers have. Um, you know, AI is, is in a myriad of applications. Um, one, of the, uh, one that comes to mind that's pretty relevant to Phillips Edison, since we're in the grocery business, is a, a, a micro-grocer out of the San Francisco Bay Area called Farmstead. And what Farmstead is, it's an artificial intelligence micro-grocer uh, uh, offering fresh fruit, food from farm to fridge in 60 minutes or less. Um, so how, how this operation works is customers select items they'd like to purchase um, online from what they, the company calls a curated array of local farm produce and grocery products. Um, so, you know, these guys are going out and they're, they're selecting the best of the best, you know, the organic, the uh, what's in season, and they're, they're displaying this on their website. And then after you or do your first order, um, Farmstead has this AI technology embedded into their platform where they can predict um, your, your buying habits and thus know precisely how much food to order from local providers on a regular basis. The, the purpose of it is... Uh, just to order the right amounts of food, so it's helping the retailer um, not have food waste in their market. Um, it's also helping customers order the right amount of food, so there's no food waste at home either. Well, here, here's another example that kind of overplays into the Internet of Things. The uh, Amazon Echo uses artificial intelligence within that. So every time you're talking to these Amazon Echoes, they're essentially getting smarter and smarter. They're learning your behaviors, and they're, they're able to do... Uh, make predictions down the road. Amazon for a long time has been using artificial intelligence. So every time you click on a, uh, a link on Amazon or, or they, they can go through your browsing history. So what they're doing is they're using the past to predict the future. And so that's how you're getting these uh, recommended for you.
one interesting fact about that is just more and more we're seeing, including myself, you know, I will sacrifice some privacy for convenience. It's a, a very hot topic right now, and I'm, I'm old school, I'm definitely not a millennial, and I, I actually have a hard time putting my thumbprint into my, my iPhone because I'm afraid my thumbprint's out there now. But uh, yeah, I, 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 I think, yeah, <laughs> I know, that's, that's the question, why am I so scared? I don't know. But uh, I, I don't know, I think, I think transparency is the key there. I think people are becoming a little bit more comfortable with privacy issues. I mean, everyone's posting pictures of their family online, but I think it's the transparency of, or, or maybe it's not necessarily transparency, but maybe control of the privacy. So if I'm posting pictures of my family, I can make it private or I can, I can make it public. All right, lastly, the internet of things. Tell me exactly what that means. So the Internet of Things is one that I'm really excited about right now. I'm really kind of passionate about this and love to talk about it. Going back to the Amazon Echo, the Amazon Echo is uh, uh, an integral part of the Internet of Things. So it's a way of communicating with other devices within your house. So through Alexa, which is the voice assistant that's embedded within the Echo, you can talk or you can communicate with other items within your house. So for instance, you have smart plugs, which would be part of the Internet of Things. Which so, can dim lights, right? Exactly. Security system, right? So you can plug these lights in, um, and you can, you know, dim lights fifty percent, or you can um, draw shades fifty percent on your gotcha. blinds. Gotcha. Um, one of the some of the bigger ones, I think, that are uh, applicable to retail. You've got garage doors, so you can control your garage door from work. So say you're getting a parcel from FedEx that's coming to your house. Um, you could grant access or open the garage door to have the FedEx guy put, you know, the package in your garage or another one being utilized right now by Walmart are these smart locks. So you can grant, so Walmart is, is, is testing out this uh, online grocery delivery to your fridge. So you can grant the Walmart or the delivery driver um, a one-time access code to your home. Right, just like the Amazon yeah, as another example, you know, you have all these smart appliances and there, there are really some cool things coming out. Um, you've got smart fridges where you can, they can look into your fridge and see what, you know, you're low on milk and they can do a shopping list and you can communicate with that. Say, I do all the grocery shopping at my home and uh, I could go to the grocery store and pull up my, you know, what I'm missing within my fridge. Or if I, you know, I'm not quite sure I have milk or not in the fridge, you know, they've got cameras in there where you could look at your phone and see if I've got milk in the fridge. Which reminds me of a, another great, a plug for... Uh, James Cook at JLL, he had, a, he had a great show on his podcast where we buy things. He had Doug Stevens, The Retail Profit, where he, he spoke about the replenishment economy. And that is it's absolutely an, an interesting thing that's happening out there. And um, to your point, it, it's, it's happening. So we might as well um, wrap our heads around it. Yeah, you know, and I, and I think you are seeing that. We are uh, Amazon Prime subscribers and we do the uh, replenishment through the uh, Amazon Pantry. And there, there are a lot of different companies out there doing some amazing things in that. You know, you can do that through Walmart. Um, I, I just thought of another pretty cool company that's pretty new and recent out there called Boxed. And uh, what Boxed is, is kind of like the online version of Costco. So there's no membership fees, but you can order in bulk from this company Boxed and they'll ship it to your home. So it's, it's exactly like Costco without dealing with the lines and without dealing, you know, driving and having to do all your shopping there.
but I, I, I definitely think that the, the replenishment economy will, will change the retail landscape, especially in you know, grocery stores. I think we'll start to see those center aisles shrink a little bit. And what I think you're going to see in the future is this blending of the online and e-commerce into just sales, just retail sales. We're not going to distinguish them here and there. It's just going to be the customer experience and then the, the, the sales will be attributed to the brand. And, you know, one, I, I think a great example of this is Home Depot. Um, Home Depot is doing very well right now, and they have a new initiative, as of recent, called One Home Depot, um, where they're focusing on better connecting their online services, fulfillment, and sales to their brick-and-mortar operations. So what they're doing is they're seeing e-commerce and in-store operations as two parts um, that each reinforce the other than viewing them as, you know, two separate businesses. Their online operations continue to help drive in-store traffic, including when items are picked up or, if need be, returned to the stores. And then, they're, uh, you know, on top of that, their online sales have grown 19% in the most recent quarter. It never has there been a time when things are evolving so quickly and so rapidly. I mean, you could ask me, what do I predict in the next two years? And I might be kind of close, but, you know, say predict five years, ten years out from now. I would be so far off that it would, you know, blow your mind. And I was talking to somebody the other day about, you know, I was trying to figure out a gift for my wife for Christmas, and he was saying, well, I'm going to buy my wife tickets to the play or, you know, a nice restaurant because she values an experience more than she values, like, a new pair of shoes. And that, that's so true today that uh, you, you can't replace that as of now, you know, online. You don't get that sensory, you don't get that wow experience. And I think that's what retail has to do in the future is they have to create that wow experience, get people talking about it, you know, 30, 60 days from now, you know, that experience and uh, that'll do wonders for their brand. Brian and Colby, that's a great way to wrap things up. Whether it's the craft brew explosion of it over the last few years, or it's artificial intelligence or augmented reality. Times are definitely changing. If you're a landlord, broker, retailer, developer, this is an exciting time to be in retail real estate. The biggest takeaway over the last few years and the biggest lesson going forward, good things happen to those who evolve and adapt with technology and changing consumer behavior. I'm Mike Conway, you've been listening to Retail Intel. Join us over the next few weeks where we'll feature rock stars of the industry and retailers that have adapted and found success. Don't forget to subscribe to Retail Intel via iTunes and follow Phillips Edison on Instagram and Twitter. If you'd like to join a future episode, let me know. Please email me at mconway at philipsedison.com.